Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name is Courtney. I am here with Royce, my amazing spouse of seven years, and together we are the ace couple. Now, it is no secret that dating while asexual comes with its own set of, shall we say, unique challenges. And so one of the first questions we tend to get asked when people find out that we are both asexual and happily married is, how did you guys find each other? And I may be a little biased because I am quite fond of us, but I think we have a very, very good love story, a romance for the ages, and today we are going to share that story with you. The short answer is boring. The short answer is we met online, on the internet. But the full story is so much more beautiful than that. But that is where we're going to start, is online dating. So you were pretty new to online dating when we met, um, having been strong-armed onto a platform by one of your closest friends. I had been on one site or another for several years at that point because the whole concept of just meeting a stranger in public never made sense to me. That was like the only way that I met people was, was uh, unless I just happened to be in the same place, like college or whatever in the same friend group, I just didn't go out and meet people. So online dating sites were pretty much the, the only way that I dated. The main one that I used was OkCupid, which we have done a little bit of research recently and have found that that site has changed quite a bit. It's gotten perhaps even easier for asexual people to meet on there. I, I guess what you could say is that dating these days is so much easier for, for you young ones, you chillins out there, than it was in our day. <laughs> for those of you not in on the joke, that is purely because we are no such things as elders in the ace community. But I personally have been called an elder ace online on more than one occasion from the younger generation, because the ace community is just... Very young? They're very young. They're also very hungry for um, older aces to look up to. And I suppose we are older than some, but we're, we, are, we are not elders yet. Although things have changed substantially since, since we got married seven years ago. Mostly in that the number of inclusive options have expanded dramatically. Um, at the time that we met, I think my main profile selections were heteronormative. I found that most of the insights you would glean on a site like OkCupid were not in the rigid profile settings. They were generally either in a well-written profile or in the write-in answers that people would write about themselves when answering questions on the platform. In my case, I did mention a little bit about asexuality on my profile, but I don't believe I had a, a confirmed statement. I, it may have been something that I revised a couple of times, as in, I might be asexual or on the asexual spectrum. I think I kind of shifted between listing either asexual or explicitly heteroromantic asexual or possibly gray asexual at one point when those terms weren't as clear? Well, I, I can answer that question. At the time I found you, it was a definitive statement, and it said, I am heteroromantic asexual. Because that was a, a very key uh, reason why we got connected in the first place, but I, I will not uh, get ahead of ourselves. So Royce having experienced time meeting multiple people online was drastically different from my experience dating online because I was very frequently in relationships and I was very often meeting people in the real world. So for a long time, I just had no use for online dating. And as an adult, I found myself single for the first time in a long time. 
And I had recently gained this just absolutely incredible friendship. And we were just absolutely inseparable, she and I. And she was a person who was very, very eager to meet a lot of people all the time online for dating purposes, for friendship purposes. It was all new to me, but I I would frequently go over to her home for, for parties, for board game nights, and there would just always be brand new people, and a lot of them were very, very cool. So I remember asking her at one point, where do you meet all of these great people? And she said, well, I, I meet most of them online. And and uh, her website of choice at the time was OkCupid. And she said, you really should try it. And to be perfectly honest, I had no interest in trying to date at that period in time. I was newly single. I was I was kind of enjoying being single and really having come out to all of my friends as asexual. I knew what challenges that presented in dating, and I wasn't exactly eager to throw myself back into that. Plus, I had this new fantastic friend group, and those friendships really felt like enough to me at that time. I didn't feel like I was looking for something more. But after a few conversations, she said, you know, okay, Cupid has an option to say you're just looking for friends. I, I know it's it's got a rep as a dating site, but but you can just look for friends there. And uh, she actually uh, grabbed the laptop and, and started setting me up a profile. Against my better judgment, I was still not sold on the idea Meeting people online still did not sound particularly good to me. I was very much living in the Stone Ages in terms of the internet and technology. I I did not really have internet at my home. I did not have electricity for a, for a period of time. So I, I was not exactly eager to go online to meet people. But she got me set up on this profile. She answered some some questions for me. We we got some pictures up. And I just let it set for a very long time. I, I wasn't logging in to look for people. But it's it's also no secret that when you are a young woman on a dating site, you get a lot of suitors. You really, really do. So I was very quickly inundated with messages from mostly a lot of straight guys. And I don't particularly like straight guys, so I would I would maybe occasionally try to respond to a couple of them, and those conversations went nowhere fast. So I was not encouraged. But my my very, very supportive best friend would, being on this website herself, would occasionally just send me links to different people's profiles. And one day, I, I should note that I was living in South Dakota at the time, and one day she sent me a link to a profile for a gentleman who lived in Kansas. And the first thing I said to her was, why on earth are you sending me a link to someone in Kansas? And she said, well, you're not using this to date anyway, and it really helps to have friends all over the place. What, what if you want to travel to Kansas one day, and you already have a friend there that you can, you can crash on his couch? <laughs> this, this was the, the, the beautiful, beautiful energy <laughs> of this friend. And this fellow, I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, he, he was relatively good looking. I don't have a very strong gauge of aesthetic attraction, but he had very long hair, which is of importance to me. So I did end up talking to this person for a few messages, but I could tell he wasn't quite right for me. When I asked him his name, he told me his name was Shadow. And I was like, okay, Shadow, I, I can get behind that. You know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of a goth myself. We're, we're both edgy folks. I, I don't mind chosen names at all. But he, he said, well, all of my friends call me Shadow because I have a tattoo that says Shadow. And he sent me a picture and just like shoulder blade to shoulder blade, just big, edgy, bold, like the kind of lettering you'd see on a metal band. It just said Shadow and... Look, I'm, I am not trying to judge Mr. Shadow. 
I can get behind chosen names, but when someone has a tattoo of their own name on themselves, that large and prominent shadow just was not for me. And and there was also just nothing else of substance to the short conversation we had. But I remember distinctly when my friend sent me the link to Shadow's profile, she said, and I quote, I found your new husband, and I'm sure it was mostly the hair. <laughs> Maybe there was something written in his profile that she knew would be appealing to me, but I remember that distinctly. Now, <laughs> I, I still had very little to go on, but one day, one day, I was so bored, out of my mind, I thought, you know what? What the hell? Let's log into this website and let's actually give it a shot. So the very first day that I logged in, completely of my own accord, the very first face that popped up, I kid you not, was Royce. Royce, who was living in Kansas, who had very long hair. And I saw that picture and I went, ooh, look at that hair. <laughs> and I, I clicked on it. And I looked through all of the other photos and every single one, I was like, that is, that is fabulous hair. <laughs> and so I, I was thinking, just looking at all of these beautiful hair photos, still thinking I'm probably not going to contact this person. I mean, <laughs> Rice is in Kansas. I, I'm probably not going to be couch surfing in Kansas anytime soon. So I started to read, uh, I started to read your profile and unlike most men and male presenting people on that site, you had actually written a lot of things very thoughtfully. So I was reading, you know, real facts about you. I, I saw that you had a job that you liked, which was unheard of to me in South Dakota. Everybody hates their jobs. <laughs> I thought, well, that's pretty cool that you like your job. I saw that you had pet snakes and I am very fond of snakes myself. One one snake. I don't know why I said snakes plural. You had a pet snake. <laughs> we have two now, but you only had one at the time. And, you know, I used to be a zookeeper and working with the snakes was, was one of my favorite uh, animals. And so I'm just reading a bunch of things that we have in common. Still far from my mind that I'm actually going to start a conversation with you just a little intrigued. But I, I scroll all the way down, and one of the questions in the profile is, what is the most private thing that you're willing to admit? And that's where you said, I am heteroromantic asexual. And I about fell out of my chair. Because I had never met another asexual. And here I was, already utterly enamored with your profile, and certainly your hair. And to see that you were asexual, I don't think I clicked that, like, chat or send a message button so fast in my life. Well, I know I didn't, because I, I didn't do it for anyone else. You were the first person I reached out to unprompted. I didn't know where it was going to go, but I wanted to ask what your snake's name was, and I wanted to know if you had a top hat. And Royce, you responded to me pretty quickly, and we got to having a conversation it did not take long. I think we were only talking for, it had to be under an hour. It, it was a matter of minutes before I forwarded the link to your pro profile to my friend. And I said, no, this is my new husband. I believe she also messaged you that night or perhaps the next day. Yeah, oddly enough, she also asked me if I owned a top hat. Which at the time you did not. <laughs> Or any hat. <laughs> Which is also very funny because I did not tell her to ask you if you had a top hat. She did not know I had already asked you that. Uh, she just knew me very well. She knew my, my type was the top hat type. But really, starting that very first night, we, we quickly grew into this habit of just speaking with each other nearly round the clock, save for when we were at work in the office. We were, we were talking pretty much all the time. But then there came the question of when and how are we going to actually 
meet in person. We did some video calls, we were texting constantly, but you were still in Kansas and I was still in South Dakota, although a very wonderful opportunity came up. I had recently uh, quit my job as a department lead at a banking call center because I had gotten a job managing a store at Things Remembered. That's a shop that just has like special occasion gifts, we do engraving, but in order to train me on the engraving and my general uh, management position, they wanted to send me to Omaha, Nebraska to get training. And Nebraska is kind of like the halfway point uh, between Kansas City and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So I was already going to be a lot closer to you than normal. And being between jobs, waiting for my first day to start at the next one, I had a couple extra days. So I thought, you know, what the heck? I'm going to go down and I am going to visit Royce in person. We're going to spend a weekend together before I need to go up to Omaha to start my new on-the-job training. And overall, I would say that that first weekend was perfect. But the first, the first night, the first meeting <laughs> was kind of a disaster. First of all, I was very late arriving, which is something Royce is never going to let me live down. <laughs> I have always been very punctual, and part of that may be a bit of anxiety around schedules. I think that when something is coming up that is scheduled, I can only really think about the clock and needing to meet that time. So we were going to meet out at a local park, and I was at the park a little early because I was more familiar with the area, and so I waited for some sort of communication, a call, a text, whatever, and nothing came for a while. I paced around, walked around the park, it started to get really cloudy and a little stormy, and once the rain actually started to come down, I made it across this particularly large park back to my car and tried to get a hold of Courtney, only to find out that at that point in time were you lost in some other area of Kansas City? <laughs> I was hopelessly and utterly lost. And, and I tried to ask, like, hey, do you need some help? Uh, not overtly saying... Um, you're like two hours late to our first meeting and I just got rained on. Just like, can I help guide you in this direction? It should, and it should be noted that I did not have a smartphone. I did not have any means of internal navigation. The drive from Sioux Falls down to Kansas is more or less a completely straight interstate shot, so... I didn't even think I needed to print out MapQuest. <laughs> I thought, I'll just remember the two turns I need to make. And that was a mistake. Yeah, th those two turns got you into the Kansas City metro area. Into the wrong quadrant of the metro area. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I was already running very late because I needed to stop for gas at one point and not having a smartphone where I could flip open, like, where's the nearest gas station? I just looked for a road to turn off on off of the interstate and I turned off on it, but there was no gas station anywhere near the edge of the road. There were signs for a, a city called Oregon and I thought, well, I just need to get there. Surely they will have a gas station. But it was astonishingly <laughs> far away. And I was getting to the point where I was afraid I was going to just straight up run out of gas before I found anything. But I did find a very small little town. It had a service station complete with a little old man with his very sleepy bloodhound at his feet and he got out and gave me gas. It was an experience to be sure, but it, it set me wildly behind. I did miss one of my turns. I somehow managed to find a narrow bridge with a sign that said narrow bridge and I, I had no idea where I was. <laughs> it was, it was an ordeal. And so I asked her, do you need help with directions? And she said, no thanks, I'm fine. And so me, 
sitting alone in a park in the rain in my car, paused for a moment and said, are you sure you don't need directions? You, you make me sound like a monster. I, I had no idea that you were already at the park. I assumed wrongly so clearly that I was going to like text you when I was there or about there because you lived pretty close. I did not realize you were literally waiting there. <laughs> so that, that, that was bad of me. <laughs> But I really didn't think I needed directions. I'd stopped at a gas station to, to ask how to get to the park. Someone had told me directions. I was on the side of town where there is, like, you know, glass and bars on the windows. And it, it was fine. I got directions. <laughs> I just didn't have a smartphone, which would have made everything a lot easier. So I, I do believe at one point you, you did finally tell me that it is raining here and I'm going home. <laughs> you said, meet me there. Here's my address. At that point, you are also on the other side of town. Like, my apartment was closer to both of us than the park was. And we obviously weren't going to walk around in the park at this point. That is true. <laughs> so... Now finally realizing exactly how awful it was that I was just bopping around for so long, I was starting to think, oh no, this is this is a disaster. Royce is going to hate me after this. But, but I, I showed up at Royce's apartment, and you, my love, surprised me with a top hat. It was only hinted at, not so subtly, very, very many times. <laughs> I never actually imagined that you were going to go and buy yourself a top hat to wear when we first met. That was exceedingly sweet of you. And so we're we are many hours past when we thought we were going to meet, so it is it is well into dinner time by this point, which leads into disaster number two of that first meeting day. There happened to be a Chipotle within walking distance of my apartment, and that made for something very quick and easy. But we went in, it was a little bit busy, I had gotten food from there enough times to know my order and didn't really think much about it because it's a common enough chain. But we got in, and I started going through the line first, and I turned back to see Courtney completely overwhelmed by the situation. It was a little difficult to hear. But I'm trying to get through, place my order, kind of looking back, concerned as Courtney is not really processing <laughs> what is being said from the other side of the, the counter, <laughs> only to hear her get to the like main section of the, the burrito, you know, the, the meat or other stuff part of it. I had never been to a Chipotle before. Never, never once had I seen uh, such a franchise so it was all very quick going through the line. There, I am vegetarian, so there, there were options for me as a vegetarian, but it was, it was, they were very quickly trying to get me through the line. So I, I had apparently missed my opportunity to order veggies. <laughs> and Royce must have noticed that this was probably an unusual choice for someone who wasn't about to order meat. Because <laughs> you turned to me and just said, don't you want veggies? I believe there had been a conversation prior to this where we had looked at the menu, made sure that they had a vegetarian option, and it was already established that you were going to order veggies on your burrito. Do you have any idea what question they actually asked me before I said this? It's been far too long since I've walked through a Chipotle. <laughs> I think they were already asking me for salsa because we were like near the end and I hadn't gotten any veggies. So I think they were like, what, which salsa do you want? And Royce had just asked if I want veggies. So I just uh, absolutely flummoxed. I just looked at this poor guy and I was like, I would like veggies. <laughs> and Royce had to... Stifle a laugh. I 
that that guy had the the strangest look on his face. We had to like back up the line, back up the order. It was horrible. I wasn't even ordering a burrito. I was getting a burrito bowl. <laughs> so I was getting a vegetarian burrito bowl with no veggies. And they were like, all right, do you want salsa on your rice? <laughs> so all that out of the way, we finally get back to your apartment. And things are just not going well. And yet clearly somewhere in your heart of hearts, you must have been thinking, wow, this is the one. <laughs> Late start aside, I thought things were going fine. Of course, I wasn't the one embarrassed in a fast food chain, so. And, you know, the rest of the weekend really did go incredibly well. We we really, really connected. There was definitely, for, for me, as an asexual woman, I mean, I'd already started to get to know you really well since we were talking so much. There was definitely still this little moment in the back of my brain where I was like, all right, the first night staying over, just this little pang of fear, like, I I really hope that Royce hasn't been lying to me this whole time and isn't going to try to, like, pull, pull some shenanigans that first night. But no, you were very respectful. We both had very similar, I think, limits, and we were kind of going at a pace that I think was very comfortable. I do know at one point in that weekend... I started just crying. We were both on the couch, and I just started crying. And you asked why I was crying, and I said, it's because I'm so happy. And then you started crying. And that's kind of the moment that I knew <laughs> that this this was really going to be forever. And so I left that weekend feeling happier than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And we immediately started making plans for the very next time I could come down and visit. And since I was now the manager of a store, I was in charge of everybody's schedules. And I was scheduling myself intentionally for four 10-hour days in a row so that I could take off a long weekend just to come down and see you. But then disaster struck. Disaster! A disaster that far surpasses the rainy park in the Chipotle. So, one evening, it was it was pretty late at night. It was late enough to be very, very dark, perhaps. Perhaps around 10 p.m. when this all began to go wrong. I was driving down. I had now gotten very comfortable. <laughs> I knew exactly what turn I was supposed to make because I wasn't making that mistake again. Actually, I think you sent me home with a spare smartphone that first weekend. <laughs> I did. I had recently changed phones and hadn't gotten rid of the old one yet. So Roy sent me home with a smartphone. And while I was driving on this dark, pretty well-deserted interstate, I just felt like a chunk in the back of my car. And it was like the back of my car just sank down. Very quickly, I started fishtailing, and before I knew it, my car was rolling. And I rolled several times across the interstate. My car struck a concrete barrier on the side of the road and then rolled a couple more times into the ditch. And that wasn't great. I, I was fine. I was completely okay, save for the fact that my brand new smartphone that Rice had just sent me home with recently had been completely thrown, ejected from the vehicle, nowhere to be found. I did not have a phone to call, and there were very few cars coming by on this interstate. I was bloody. I was covered in shattered glass. I had to try to make my way out of the car. I couldn't get out on the driver's side, so I actually had to crawl through the passenger side window <laughs> to get out. And I was wearing a dress. My shoes had flown off. I was wearing flats. They were gone somewhere. <laughs> My tights were shredded all to hell, glass everywhere. And I didn't even know where my wounds were at this point, but I was bloody everywhere. And so I just got immediately to work like, okay, we don't have a phone. We need to call for help. So I 
I threw on my hazard lights on my car, but I was I was away from the street a little ways. And I, I stood on the side of the street trying to flag down cars for an exceptionally long time. There were so many cars who were just passing me by. And so many cars had passed me by. <laughs> and it was so late and so dark that... I got to a point where I was like, all right, I am going to be here all night if I can't get one of these cars to stop, and I'm losing a fair bit of blood, <laughs> and Royce has no idea where I am. So it got to a point where as soon as I saw headlights coming over the horizon, I would walk into the middle of the interstate and start jumping and waving my arms around to make sure that they saw me once the headlights hit me, and then I'd need to, like hobble and limp to the side of the road again when they weren't slowing down. So that wasn't great. Where's that Midwestern niceness I hear so much about? But <laughs> eventually, a very kind uh, semi-truck driver noticed me and probably my car and pulled off on the nearest off-ramp and came back to talk to me. <laughs> and he said, an ambulance is on the way. That's the first thing he told me. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I need an ambulance. I mean, we, we, I guess we got to report this, but can I use your phone? I, I'm going to see my partner and, and you know, and, and he, he was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He goes, but go sit down. <laughs> he just gave me the, the, the most pitiful look. And he's like, you need to sit down. I was like, no, I'm fine. Walking around barefoot in shredded tights. And... He, he lends me his phone while we're waiting for the ambulance and, and police to arrive. And that's when you got a good scare. So I got a call at 11 at night. I picked up my phone, and the only thing I could hear were sirens in the background. And I listened to that for a moment. I tried to speak, couldn't hear anyone on the other side of the line. So I believe you hung up. I tried to call back. No answer. Tried again. No answer. Waited for a moment to see if we were just, you know, crossing lines. Got a call back. Still sirens. This time your voice came through, and you mentioned that you were about an hour away from where I was and had just been in a big car accident. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, don't worry, I'm fine, <laughs> but my car is totaled. <laughs> so it was at that point that the the police and the ambulance had actually arrived and they were here ready to speak to me and I'm I'm still just bopping around barefoot. I'm like, hey, anyone seen my shoes? <laughs> and the the police were horrified. They were like, you need to sit down. You need to go get into the ambulance. You need to stop walking around. There is, you are barefoot and there is broken glass everywhere. And I'm, I'm just looking at all of my bloody wounds and I'm like, ha ha ha, broken glass. I'm not worried about broken glass. I mean, look at me. I'm I've seen worse. And they they didn't find it amusing at all. They were like, clearly, you are traumatized. Clearly, you have a head injury. You are in shock. They They were not having it. But I sat in the ambulance. They got me cleaned up. I had a very, very deep puncture wound in my knee. And I had a slash across... I guess where my thumb connects with my hand. Like, if that was any deeper, I could have lost my thumb. So that's where most of the blood was coming from, were those two places. But they were they very much wanted to take me to the ambulance. But we live in America, and ambulances are expensive. <laughs> so I outright refused. But the the police officers really didn't want to let me go anywhere that wasn't either the police station or the hospital. And I, I was not at all interested in either of those two options. But luckily by this point, the, the very kindly tow truck driver had arrived to haul away the remains of my car. And he had overheard that I was very much trying to say, you know, just just take me somewhere, you know, a convenience store or something where I can sit and wait for Royce to come pick me up. And this tow truck driver said, oh, yeah, I can take her down to Speedy's. You know, there's there's a convenience store right next to the tow yard, and I don't mind none. And they were reluctant and hesitant, but they wrote me up several bogus tickets <laughs> and sent me on my way. 
all of those tickets got dropped. They they tried to cite me for like sleeping, like falling asleep while driving, uh, reckless driving. They tried to find me for the concrete barrier that got smashed. They wanted me to appear in court to determine how much I had to pay to release that concrete barrier, which is funny. We'll get to why that's funny later. But back to the tow truck driver. He was so nice and so, so funny. I was in the passenger they had to like saran wrap my car <laughs> to keep it in one piece to to tow it away but he just kept saying you know i am just so so thankful that you are here in my truck tonight because i got to tell you i tow a lot of cars that look like that but never ones where the driver walked away and you really must have had a guardian angel sitting with you in that passenger seat tonight and i'm just i'm just so grateful that you're here and he was very very nice and so we, we, we get to Speedy's Convenience Store in St. Joseph, Missouri, and the tow truck driver just looks at me and he says, hmm, why don't you wait here while I go in and explain the situation, darling, because you look a sight. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I do. So he goes in ahead of me, explains to them that, you know, we, we have a, a car crashy here. And she's going to be hanging out while she's waiting for her ride. And yeah, when I walked into that store, that was maybe the most piteous look I have ever been given was the cashier at that at that convenience store. He just like deflated when he saw me and he said, do you want anything? Can, can I get you something? And I was like, honestly, I just want a cup of coffee. And he said, go sit down, pointed to a chair and a table in the corner. He said, go sit down. I will get it for you. And he was very nice. He brought me a cup of coffee. He said, on the house, you've been through enough tonight. And yeah, at some point between that, I, I had to, of course, uh, borrow another phone to tell Royce where exactly I was and where I'd be waiting. And yeah, at one point I did walk into the bathroom of this convenience store and I was just glittering with with glass. I was shiny. So I, I really did look a sight with all of my tattered, shredded clothing. And when I finally saw Royce walk through that door, I don't think I've ever seen a look with that much pure concern just melt into relief <laughs> when you saw me. And it was really, really sweet. I'm sure you were still very <laughs> upset and concerned, but I, I saw a panicked look on your face before you actually saw me. And and I, I saw that sort of just melt away and the look in your eyes, something I will never forget. But the first thing you did was just embraced me closely. You just held me, didn't say anything right off the bat. And then you started picking little shards of glass out of my hair. And I thought that was very sweet. Some of them were large enough to be of mild concern. And so you brought me home. After stopping by a CVS to get some bandages. No, the CVS was closed. Yeah, it, w it was late enough that what you did was look up when the nearest CVS opened in the morning. And you set an alarm early to make sure you could get there right when they opened. And you left and you got bandages, all without waking me up, too. You let me sleep. But you, you set that alarm, you went, you got bandages, gauze, and you got my favorite cereal, which I didn't even realize you remembered that I offhandedly said that my favorite cereal is honey bunches of oats with almonds. <laughs> and so I wake up to you coming home with all of these, you know, first aid supplies and my favorite cereal, and I just thought that was the kindest thing. And that was very much our um, in sickness and health moment, because I, I don't think I have ever had a partner who has been that attentive and caring when I've had a medical concern. And you helped me dress my bandages, my, my wounds, even though they were, they were kind of a lot. <laughs> Generally, I don't have too much of an issue with blood, but there have been a couple of instances where something has made me lightheaded, and there was something about the puncture near your knee. It was this dark shade of red 
where I couldn't see the end of it. I couldn't tell how deep of a hole that was. And looking at that did something. I remember feeling very lightheaded all of a sudden and had to step away for a moment. It was pretty gnarly. It was it was a deep hole. <laughs> but even though that messed with you a little bit, you still helped me redress my bandages, and that was very sweet. Another thing that stuck out was that you were very good about keeping my friends back home in the loop. I remember you, you know, messaging people, having phone calls with my friends up north and making sure that they knew what happened and that I was okay and... And when I told my friends how you had been taking care of me and how you had gotten my favorite cereal, <laughs> that was the moment where they were saying, yes, this, this is the keeper. <laughs> this is the one for you. So it's, it's always important to have friend approval when, when your friendships are as close and important as ours were. So that was very nice and reassuring. But that was the weekend where we decided to make our commitment where we decided it's time to move in together. Um, part of it may be, you know, <laughs> you don't have a car to be driving anymore, and I don't know if I want you driving that much. But another part of it was just, you know, we have seen enough of each other. We know that this, this is it for us. This is wonderful. And so not only did we quickly have to set to work trying to figure out how to get me back home to South Dakota, luckily luckily my mom was able to come down and pick me up, but we also made very rapid, aggressive plans to move me down. We had, was it just a week? Was it two weeks? It was a very short period of time we said, I will be living down here. Before my mom did show up to drive me back home, um... We we went up to see my car in St. Joseph again because there were there were some items in there. There were some things in the trunk. I wanted to see, you know, if there was anything in the back seat. I I was packing to stay for the weekend, so I had some clothes and things that were just strewn about. And boy, that trip to the tow yard was interesting because we we found that car and nearly all of the windows were busted out. The windshield had a had a wiper go through it. And the, the one, like, fully intact window someone had written on it, she walked away. <laughs> and that was so impactful because by this point I knew I was also leaving Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is a place that I had experienced many abuses in my past, and it was not a happy place for me. So I already was feeling a little lighter that I was leaving. I thought I'm walking away from my old life from, from South Dakota, but I also, I, I quite literally walked away from what could have been a fatal car accident. So that was really quite something. My mother and I stopped at the concrete barrier to see it just utterly smashed in pieces. In daylight, it was wild to see it because it was in pieces. And that has become somewhat of a tradition since then for friends and, and other people to look at the concrete barrier as you're passing. Because <laughs> even though they attempted to charge Courtney for it, I, we believe it's still there, right? It, it is still there. It is still there. I had a friend confirm it just a couple of months ago. So seven and a half years later, <laughs> that concrete barrier is still smashed in pieces right right where I left it. That is my concrete barrier. So yeah, now with, with aggressive plans to try to get down, I, I get back up, I get back home, and I, I need to quit my jobs. <laughs> I need to... I was going to try to find a new job down here as well because I was, on top of other jobs, a dance teacher, and the dance season was going to be starting really soon. And I thought, if I don't get a job teaching dance before the season starts, I'll have to wait a whole other year. So I started immediately applying for dance jobs. That was one reason for the accelerated schedule was because if we didn't do something quickly, it was going to be most of a year because you couldn't break the, the teaching season. That was a big part of it, yes. And I, I had to get another car. <laughs> My car was totaled. I had to get a new one. Had to, you know, figure out how to sell the house. When I say house, it was... <laughs> so I lived in a trailer, and it was horrible. Like, I... <laughs> 
I, I had quite literally at one point needed to duct tape the outside of my house to try to keep it in one piece after a major storm. So it was, it was an ordeal. So lots of things to figure out in just a couple of weeks' time. But we did it. We made it work. I, I plowed through all those things I needed to do. We figured out what we had to do to move like my larger things, my furniture down. And we, we got to work. You came up to help me move to, to pack up the pod. And I had purchased my new car, my new used car, <laughs> just probably a day or two before you got into town to help me. And this was truly the weirdest thing. You were just driving around with me. We were you know, doing some odds and ends, getting getting everything in place. And I had stopped by a co-worker's house, someone who was uh, teaching with me at the dance studio because I wanted to get some copies of some old dance videos that I, I did not have. And I wanted to make sure I got those before I left the state so I could have them. And while I had left the car, you just started poking around. I got bored and opened up the center console. But at the bottom of this center console, which I had not opened yet, it was a used car, the only thing at the bottom was a single fortune from a fortune cookie that said, traveling south will bring you great happiness. <sighs> Can we take a moment, please? I kid you not. That was just like the sign, everything was right. All was at peace with the world. So needless to say, I kept that fortune from that fortune cookie. <laughs> the one other moment that that weekend of the car crash that really just confirmed for me that this, that you <laughs> were were all I really wanted, was when you told me that my my attitude towards getting horrendously maimed in the car crash, uh, reminded you of a character from a webcomic named Nimona. And I had not heard of this comic before, but you, you were insistent that I was just like Nimona. <laughs> I had just recently finished reading Nimona on recommendation from a friend, and there were a couple of relevant panels of her getting stabbed and shrugging it off that seemed very applicable. It's just a flesh wound. It's, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, you suggested that we read it together. And it had always been my dream to have a romantic partner who would read with me. So we, we uh, you know, crawled and snuggled under a blanket and pulled up this webcomic on a tablet. And we, we took turns reading aloud since it was a comic and there were, you know, different characters and it was all through dialogue. We, we sort of each took a character and uh, acted it out and read aloud to one another. And that was really something special. And we we still, to this day, read aloud to one another. Sometimes it's novels, sometimes it's manga or webcomics. Yeah, I think you, I think you uh, mentioned that after I was really, really hell-bent on going to the farmer's market that weekend. We had originally planned to go check out the farmer's market, but uh, you assumed that we weren't going to do that now that I was injured. <laughs> But I was like, no, I want to go to the farmer's market. And I remember you saying, like, Courtney, you, you've got puncture wounds and gashes and <laughs> bruises and scrapes all over your chest. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Let's just go to the farmer's market. It'll be great. So clearly we had every coincidence that I think we possibly could have had. We had every single ounce of luck. And our story is going to be near impossible to replicate, so I never quite know how to answer the question when people say, you know, how do you meet another asexual? Well, it involves a car crash and some public embarrassment and a series of other events. First, you smash the concrete barrier. <laughs> then you read web comics a lot. What it really all comes down to, I think, is... Being very open and honest about who you are and what you want and what you're looking for, because 
had Royce not said, I am asexual, I probably wouldn't have even reached out. I did not even think I was looking for a romantic relationship, but it turns out I personally just needed another ace in my life because dating allosexual people did not go well for me. Don't get me wrong, there are some ace-allo relationships that are perfectly fine and healthy and wonderful for those people, but I, I know there are plenty of people out there who do want a romantic relationship and might prefer it to be with a fellow asexual, so online is great. Um, maybe going a little outside of your own region, since we, we were technically long distance for, for a short period of time. A lot of that's going to come down to what, what area you're in. Are you in a big city? Are you in a small town? But if you're open to outside relationships, uh, long-distance relationships, that can definitely be a bonus. And do, do make use of the sites that have more options now. I mean, now, if you go to OkCupid, you can pick that you're asexual. You can pick demisexual. Um, I think I even saw them have a few more micro-labels on there, like Ace Flux. I, I don't know what all there were. I just looked for a moment, but there there are sites that are starting to give you micro-labels. I can't personally attest for asexuals.net, but that is a website that I'm aware of that is exclusively for aspectrum people. And I really do think it is a l easier now than it has been. It's It's certainly not... Uh, a walk in the park, maybe, maybe a rainy <laughs> walk in the park alone, but um, it, it is easier than it has been, and I suspect it will only continue to get easier because, you know, if if you or I were on a dating site today, we could put asexual and we could even put more more gender variation, more, more micro-labels, because I, I certainly am, do not identify the same way I did when we met, and I think you're the same. And I don't think I even had mentioned on my profile that I was asexual, because <laughs> I, I didn't want the brand of harassment that came from that on a website where you couldn't specifically seek out other asexuals. So it was by, by the grace of the ace gods that we found each other. And by the power of the disencookied fortune... <laughs> If y'all could see the look, <laughs> Rice just shot me. All right. I think when, when Rice starts giving me that look, Courtney's getting a little silly and it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> but at any rate, I hope you all enjoyed listening to our asexual love story and we'll talk at you guys next time.